You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For everything for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, preview edition Colts-Cowboys Sunday Night Football. George, just when the nation thought they kind of got rid of the Colts and after that Monday night game against the Steelers and they don't have to watch any more Colts football, guess what? They are back this time on Sunday night and we'll get you covered for this game. Not a lot, frankly, to talk about, George, like matchup-wise, Colts think the Cowboys are 8-3. This should be an easy win. We'll give you our game picks anyway just for, you know, just see if maybe the Colts can cover the, the 10.5-point spread, which is a big one here. There is something to watch out for uh, in this game. has nothing to do with on-the-field kid idea in a second. And also, in our last pod, in case you missed it, make sure you go back and check out the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. Because we did a, a pretty, I would say, deep dive. At least I had a fun chat about Jim Harbaugh's future. And is he having too much success at Michigan where he would want to leave and come coach the Colts team? Well, there's a new twist that Jim Mercy is kind of pulling out in order to maybe get Jim Harbaugh uh, over to the Colts. I'll tell you what that is here in a little bit. But, George, Sunday night, prime time. Is there any sort of juice, any sort of excitement for this game whatsoever? Especially considering the Colts are rarely on prime time to begin with. With that said, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I got nothing here. Uh, nothing. I, I wonder if it's one of those things. This is where I'm at on the game. So, like, my big question is, would the Cowboys rather face 11 regular-sized Colts or 100 <laughs> mini Jeff Saturdays on, sun- on Sunday? Oh, that's... Out hmm. strength in numbers, right? That's a that's a Golden State Warriors uh, theme when they won their titles. So I'll go strength in numbers here. I'll say you'd definitely rather face eleven regular size Colts rather than a hundred mini Jim Saturdays, uh, Jeff Saturdays. That's right? why like, I am with this one. It's gonna be tough if you're Dak Prescott trying to avoid like a hundred Jeff Saturdays coming at you, just kind of yeah. gnawing at your legs. Like eventually, you're just gonna tip over. Maybe that's you know they're they're relentless, right? I mean, those Jeff Saturdays that's are true. not gonna quit. They're coming That's all day. Point. So you could truck them, run them over. Doesn't matter. They'll still come with a lot of intensity and focus. Mm-hmm. I think it's a tough matchup. So unless the NFL rules want to change between now and Sunday, which I mean, it's a lot of time. I record this on Thursday. It's what seven, two hours to, to make, mm-hmm. uh, make some clones, which I mean, technology. Now we can easily clone Jeff Saturday into a mini version. Get a hundred of those. Training, right. Right. <laughs> Take care right. of that way. And Roger Yell is a man of the ratings. Sunday night, I mean, NBC is playing a lot of money, so I'm sure they want an intriguing matchup. I think the nation wants to see 100 mini Jeff Satters. I like it, George. You, George Brenner, uh, Brenner for commissioner. Watch out, Roger Goodell. I am here for it. Absolutely. I, you're not going to get that anywhere else either. That is only here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. And that's why hopefully you enjoy us. And that's why hopefully you are downloading and liking and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod because you are going to hear ideas. Literally, no one else will have, that's for sure. So when George is eventually commissioner of the NFL or maybe the lead director for NBC, you'll remember where he got started from. That's right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. 
All right, so unless, again, the rules change and technology advances drastically, we can have 100 mini Jeff Saturdays on the field Sunday. This is not going to be a very exciting matchup. This is not going to be a very, frankly, good game considering the Colts are where they are and the Cowboys are a very good team. So with that said, George, the season being lost at 4-7-1, I do think there is one thing to watch for Colts fans the rest of the way, and that is the left tackle position. I think Bernard Ryman is really the only person, the only thing worth still tuning in for because we know the offense stinks, the defense is very good, but they get no help from the offense and it really doesn't matter. But this is a huge five-week stretch here, especially starting now Sunday night, where the Cowboys come in leading the NFL in sacks. Micah Parsons is right now, I'd say, the front-runner for defensive player of the year. He's going to have his hands full, uh, kind of switching both sides here, but Ryman's going to have his hands full. If you can pass this five-week test, play really well. We were talking about it on the last pod about, you know, kind of some of the draft strategies for the Colts, and if they don't go quarterback at uh, in round number one, maybe you could address another position. Well, if you're Bernard Ryman, you play well these last five games, I think you make you know, Chris Ballard or whoever's the GM feel pretty good that maybe left tackle is not a drastic need, or maybe if you're not going to go quarterback in round number one, you go somewhere else, or maybe it frees you up to go all in on getting your franchise guy in the first round. Either way, I think this is going to be a huge, you know, five-week stretch here, six-week stretch on the calendar, at least, for Bernard Ryman to see if he can kind of truly take a stranglehold of the left tackle position. Yeah, or anywhere on the line. You know, I think that's the other thing. Sure. Like, right guard's probably going to be open, too. So, you know, I think it's, it's a really big stretch for him. Um, and like you said, I, I think he's he's faced some really tough competition already, uh, you know, in his short time out there, and he's going to see some more coming up. Obviously, uh, the Cowboys, I think, lead the league in sacks. I feel like everybody on that team has eight. I don't know if that's true, but I, I feel like the water boy has like eight sacks this year in, in <laughs> Dallas. So, you know, it's, it's just, it doesn't matter. I think they just line up. They, they, they have like a halftime contest and fans come out <laughs> and get a sack in the second half. It, it really doesn't seem to matter who it is. Uh, but when you throw in Micah Parsons into that mix, they're just that much more dangerous. Uh, and then you look going forward, you know, like like you mentioned earlier, uh, I think off the air, Zadari Smith coming up with the Vikings uh, in a couple of weeks. You're going to see probably Joey Bosa in the next primetime game against the Chargers. So it's not – he's going to go against the number one pick, Tavon Walker, at the end of the year. Oh, wait, no, not the Jaguars. Jaguars, Texans are confused. Yeah. Getting confused. Actually, Both you bad. know, go back to uh, week one, Jerry Hughes played like the number one pick. So we'll That's see if he true. can still down. But there's a lot on the line for him. And I think there's a lot on the line for this offensive line in general. I think his spot specifically, um, you know, he's got a chance to kind of solidify himself and earn a a role for next year. Will Fries, I think, is in the same boat. You know, can he be that right guard? Can can you make this the mix next year? But the line in general, I think they're improving slowly. I think the last couple weeks you've seen better play from them. Uh, And if they can get things together and, and finish the year on a high note, that's probably the best thing you can hope for. The only other position I would even honestly keep an eye on as far as like young guys and, and their arcs is Quiddy Pay if he's able to come back. He had a really good start this year. That ankle injury, unfortunately, derailed things for a while. He's another guy. If he can get out there and play the last five weeks, he's been practicing this week, so fingers crossed. You know, if he can finish with another couple sacks, that just get him on another high note as, as well. You're right, and it's just like at this point, like where where we are, it's all about worth watching individual players or individual units, right? Like this with this season being the way it is, now it's all you've left to kind of watch and root for. And like I said, like this is a great test. Even going back to last week, like look, I know you know Ryman was the one who got beat on the Matt Ryan trip sack uh, in the final drive that you know kind of set them back in second and seventeen that. As we know, eventually led to the uh, botch clock management there by Jeff Saturday. And even on fourth down, he got kind of pushed right back into the quarterback and kind of forced Matt Ryan to flush pocket. But 
otherwise, he played a pretty solid game against the Steelers. TJ Watt, I know he was kind of moving all around. That's a, a group effort. But for the offensive line's credit, TJ Watt was basically invisible in that game in Montana, which is a huge credit to them. So if you can kind of continue to build, uh, especially with Ryman at left tackle, again, it just helps free you up and helps make the draft, like give you a little bit more flexibility. Because again, we, we talk about the holes in this team. Obviously, quarterback is the biggest one that everyone looks and talks about. But again, whether the quarterback you want is not there, whether you're apprehensive about maybe trading up future assets in order to kind of get a guy you can possibly, you know, maybe get, a, again, a Bryce Young, let's say pick number two and number three if he does fall. Like maybe you're apprehensive because you have so many other holes to give up assets. If you can at least shore up what has been the biggest question mark, or at least have yourself feel, you know, good going into 2023 that, hey, this is a development. This is a guy that maybe we could project being a guy at left tackle, kind of like Anthony Catanza once for a decade. Okay, that's a, that's a win. Like at this point, like you got to take a wins where you can get them. The division is shot. The playoffs are shot. Like at this point, it's about small wins. If you can have Bernard Ryman develop into a guy that even maybe could give you hope of being a, a 10-year left tackle with this five-game stretch here where he's facing some stiff competition, like that's that's a win going into the offseason. Yeah, I feel like every year going into the draft, the more holes you can fill – uh, the better. The less desperate you are going in the draft, the less right. The less need picks you have to make, the the better off you are. Uh, the more you can move around on the board freely, the more you can just take best player available. Uh, and I think that's Raymond plays a huge role in that. You know, if he comes out here and he looks like a guy who you least feel like you feel comfortable going into next year with him as a starter, um, that that's a big step for this football team. And like you said, uh, they're not going to the playoffs. They're definitely not winning this division. You, you got to take what you can get. And and I think that's one of the things that you can measure, uh, that you can watch, that, that actually matters down the stretch. The games matter to the players, obviously. You know, none of them are going to say anything different, nor should they. I mean, they've, they've got jobs to earn. Unless you're a rookie who's not playing right now, um, you need this team to, to, to play well. I mean, you, if you want to take somebody else's job, you might be okay with, with tanking. But 90% of this roster can't think that way. Um, but from a fan standpoint, from a media standpoint, yeah. What is there out there to watch? What is there out there to care about? The pass rush is – the pass protection is is probably – well, not probably. It's definitely at the top of the list. I mean, even right. if Matt Ryan doesn't take advantage of it or if they go back to Sam Ellinger at some point, uh, however that plays out, quarterbacks don't take advantage of it, that's not even as important as whether or not it exists. Are there clean pockets? Can they run the ball a little bit better in these, these last five weeks? That's more important than the final score, honestly. Without a doubt. Like I said, the Colts could lose 45 nothing on Sunday. But if Matt Ryan is a clean pocket, he gets sacked maybe one time and pressure, like, you know, and hit three times, like, that's a massive win. Because you know, when we talk about young quarterbacks, right, it's not just, first of all, Bernard Ryan on the line. It's everyone has to improve, right? And one of the quickest ways to ruin a young quarterback is giving, you know, having them face pressure constantly and not protecting them. So, you know, for – I know every Colts center wants a young quarterback, and, and so do I. Like, like this, this carousel is frustrating. It's annoying. I want to get off. You want everyone wants to get off, right? Chris Bell wants to get off it. Jim Mercer wants to get off it. But one of the fastest ways to getting off it, outside of just drafting the guy, is putting them in a position to succeed. And that mm. first and foremost starts with the five guys up front blocking. They have not done that for the most part with any sort of consistency or any sort of, of eliteness this season. And now, again, going against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, the league leaders in sacks, if you are able to at least get allow Matt Ryan to walk off the field in one piece where he has some time, he may not complete the passes, the guys may not catch him, he may not be accurate, he may throw picks and even get trip sacked. But if he's 
if he has, for the most part, time to throw, that is a massive, massive, massive win. Because, again, it's not just Bernard Ryman. Like, it's Quentin Nelson who's played bad this year. It's Ryan Kelly who's really struggled this year. It's, at times, Braden Seth playing bad. The, the right guard's been the rotating spot for the most part, but Will Fries has done an okay job. Like, everyone, not just Ryman, needs to, you know, kind of pick up their level of play the last five weeks in order to kind of said take some pressure off of the GM when it comes to draft time and allow them the flexibility if they want to go all in on a guy they identify to be the guy quarterback. It gives them the flexibility to because you have a little bit less pause about do I really want to give up all these assets we still have to address the line and maybe address multiple positions on the line. So I think Bernard Ryman's the guy to watch going down the stretch here, George, his last five games, especially Sunday. But it's also, you know, can carry over to the entire five guys because all five as a unit have really struggled to play well this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think the other thing to watch on Sunday is, is the other sideline, right? I mean, these two coordinators in Dallas, uh, Kellen Moore on the offensive side, Dan Quinn on, on the defensive side, they're obviously going to be heavy names in, in the head coaching search this year. Um, I'm sure at some point, I, I can't guarantee they'll get interviews or anything like that here, but I'm sure at some point their names will be mentioned in connection with this job. Um, if I had to choose between two of them, I would kind of look more at Kellen Moore right now. Uh, one, he's young, and and I think it's going to be a little bit of time before this team gets things together. So he's got a little bit more time, I think, to sit through a rebuild. But two, this has been a fascinating offense to watch this year. The, the way that he's kind of changed their focus from week to week and sometimes from drive to drive, highlighting different players, highlighting different elements. Sometimes they go run heavy. Sometimes they go pass heavy. But, you know, whether it's C.D. Lamb or it's Peyton Hendershot, they're, they're working in guys – in the situations, they're scoring points. A guy like that to me is intriguing, especially if you don't have the quarterback situation, you know, completely figured out. A guy who maybe can go come in and scheme some things up. Now, is it realistic? I don't know. I mean, Dallas is probably going to do everything they can to hold on to him. I certainly would if he was my offense coordinator. Uh, and also, I would think if, if you're him, you're not in a terrible spot and you're probably going to be picky about where you go. Um, but He's a guy that I would have a lot of interest in if I was Jim Mercy. Oh, absolutely. Especially too, when you look at like there are low-key a good amount of similarities in offense between the Cowboys and the Colts. And obviously, take the results aside. But you look you mentioned, like, look how the Cowboys having success on offense. It's by running the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Well, obviously the Colts have a really good running back in in uh in Jonathan Taylor. Um, for sure. They have a solid offensive line, the Cowboys do. They use three tight ends, which the Colts have. Now you're starting to see the emergence of Jelani Woods, especially last game. Ole Cox is more of a blocker than a, a pass catcher. But Kylan Granton as well has been, you know, making a few plays in the pass game as well. They have three tight ends that, again, when called upon, could make a few plays. Michael Pittman Jr., I would say, is comparable to CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is better. But, again, there, there's not, you know, a wide gap between the two. And there's some questions, on you know, behind depth-wise – uh, in Dallas behind CD Lamb, kind of like there is with the Colts. Like, again, we've seen guys like uh, Harris Campbell step up this year, but there's really no definitive standout number two guys kind of dominated all season long, kind of like the Cowboys used to have with Amar Cooper and, let's say, and CD Lamb a few years ago. But, like, there are some similarities where you're, you're right. If you're Kellen Moore, like, maybe you wait and just say, you know what, Mike McCarthy, kind of knowing and seeing how, you know, Jerry Jones is, maybe he'll get fired after the season they lose in the first round, or maybe he'll get fired next year. And you say, you know, I'll just stay here until I get the Cowboys job. But if you want to go to a team where the situation in terms of the pieces you're working with is similar, there's no obviously Dak Prescott right now, but again, Dak Prescott was what a 
fourth round pick, third round pick. So it's not like so. he was the number one overall where that was a flashy guy you couldn't miss. And that's all the talent in the world. Kellen Moore's done a good job with his offense, considering the pieces he has. And it's not crazy to kind of look at the Colts' offense and see some similarities where you could make an adjustment and say, okay, what he's doing in Dallas could work also and translate to the Colts. It's wild speculation season, right? Like, that's what we're yes. doing now. Um, so here's one I'll throw out there for you. What about Ooh. this combo? Head coach Kellen Moore and your quarterback is a later-round guy, Michael Penix Jr. From Washington. Can I be honest, George? Mm, that's what I I'm still- asking for. I still have PTSD from Michael Penix Jr. 2020 against Penn State, where he was clearly out of bounds. The referees that must have gotten paid. I think I saw uh, Tom Allen put a, a 20 in uh, in the referee's pocket to call it a good two point conversion. Anyway, taking my Penn State bias out of it, Michael Penix Jr. is a guy that the only concern is obviously injuries, right? He, he's been mm-hmm. very good at Washington, and that's really where his Indiana career, as many fans know, seeing him up close right there in Bloomington. He was good when he was on the field; he just couldn't stay on the field. That's that's interesting, George. I kind of like it. You know, that's a guy works. If you're talking about value where you can't get Bryce Young, which most likely won't happen. Hendon Hooker maybe goes higher than you think, or maybe you're scared off, you know, by the 27. Maybe you don't like him as a prospect. I would rather take that risk of Michael Penning Jr. Let's say, I don't know, second or third round compared to taking Will Levis or Anthony Richardson and maybe the top 10 pick. That's for sure. Yeah, no, and I'm, and I'm thinking with, with Penix, if he's healthy, I do see a little Dak Prescott there. I think there is there there are some things that he does that could be Dak Prescott-like, not in year one, but it, a guy like Kellen Moore might be the right guy to bring him along and, and get him to that point. And whether it's Penix or it's, or it's any other quarterback, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you would want Kellen Moore coming in. He obviously played the position, uh, you know, he's, and he's done a good job developing it. I think, to me, what's more impressive than what Prescott because we kind of knew who he is. It's what they were able to do with Cooper Rush, the way they were able to still win games, the way they were able to use him. Not He wasn't lighting it up by any stretch of the imagination, but they were putting him in good situations, and they were able to – their offense with Cooper Rush was more effective than the Colts' offense has been with Matt Ryan. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys, too. Like One of the reasons why you mentioned they're winning games with Cooper Rush is that defense has been outstanding so far this year. And that turnaround has been largely led by Dan Quinn, who's now in a second year in Dallas doing a great job. Like I said, they were number one in turnover differential last year. They're number one in sacks this year. So they're doing the two things that you know defense needed to do to, to change games, and that's cross turnovers and get after the quarterback. That's a guy that obviously you know went to a Super Bowl with Atlanta. I thought I was going to leave, honestly, after last year and decided to uh, to come back, you know, didn't take the Broncos job and didn't really interview really anywhere else outside of that. That's a guy that I do wonder, like, I will say when it comes to defensive coaches, George, I do have a little pause depending on who they are, just because now, especially with the offense, so important and obviously quarterback development, extremely important for the Colts to have a young quarterback. If you hire a guy like Dan Quinn from the defensive side, you're going to have to hire, obviously, an offense coordinator. And whether that's Kellen Moore goes to them, whether that's another guy, the odds are if success happens, that offense coordinator is going to leave, take a head coaching job. Or at least it helps if you do have an offensive mind as head coach, they're actually not going in, right? They they are the head coach. They're not leaving for another job. Um, where that's the only risk you have is you're kind of playing musical chairs every few years. Um, again, if the offense coordinator is a home run and if they're able to develop quarterbacks. Now, again, that could be a good problem to have because the Colts have not really had that for uh, in a while, but that is one of the risks I at least personally feel when it comes to hiring a defensive mind, like in this case, Dan, uh, Dan Quinn. Yeah, I think that's always the concern, right? Because that offense coordinator does well, he moves on, and now you've got to replace him. And, you know, how many times can you make the right choice there? And how long does that, you know, what, what's the sustainability of, of that kind of marriage? Uh, I think is, is 
definitely a question with any time there's a defensive coach out there. I think one thing that would be interesting here is, you know, he's still in that Seattle. Dan Quinn came from that Seattle tree. So there would be a lot of changes defensively, but I don't think it would be massive for the team. There, there's a lot of things that, that they do now that they would that would carry over. I think the one big difference between the Dallas defense and the Colts defense is obviously their approach to the pass rush. And I think that would be the biggest, you know, if, if you're looking for like the biggest reason to bring in Dan Quinn, it's right there. I mean, what have the Colts lacked for, I don't know, 10 years, it feels like. Yeah. That pass rush, you know, getting after the quarterback, you feel like he's a guy who would fix that at least. You, know, you worry about the offensive side, obviously. Uh, but I think if I'm if I'm looking for reasons to talk myself into Dan Quinn, it starts with the pass rush. And not to mention, like, look what they've done with Micah Parsons, who, again, is a linebacker mm-hmm. now who's almost strictly defensive NBA, an athletic freak that just wrecks plays. I mean, you could easily envision Shaq Leonard being that same kind of equivalent, just av- even more of a game record than is right now. That would be, I will say, a lot of fun to watch if, if that is the guy that the Colts do hire in Dan Quinn, if he's even interested. But you talk about a fun piece to work with Dan Quinn would have. Shaq Leonard could, I think, easily fit into that Micah Parsons role for sure. And Dan Quinn does have a history with Matt Ryan. I heard they played in a big That's, game once together. <laughs> heard they blew some sort of lead. I think a small lead in the yeah, fourth so, quarter that no one really uh, brings up. The numbers don't stick in my head for some reason. It's, <laughs> it's, they're not memorable. Yeah, that's one of the most forgettable Super Bowls. That is, that is for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. But yeah, that's it is interesting. And I wonder, especially too, to kind of wrap this up, George, Jim Mercer is a is a fan at heart. So he's a, a man that sometimes thinks with his emotions and his heart rather than his brain. I wonder if this does get ugly, where you see that the Cowboys offense may tear up the Colts defense or vice versa, that the defense for Dallas is overwhelming the Colts offense and offensive line. If you're Jim Mercer and you're there and watching, you know, either Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore both go to work. It's hard to think that he won't all of a sudden kind of have more of an interest and intrigue saying, oh, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Let me see if I can get one of these guys over here. Yeah, uh, that, that's definitely an easier fix than 100 mini Jeff Saturdays. So I think that's going <laughs> to be higher on the list for him. That is, that is, that's a great way to kind of bring this segment full circle. That is for sure. Oh, George, you are funny. When we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, speaking of head coaches, we talked a lot about Jim Harbaugh on the last pod and the fact that maybe he's having too much success at Michigan to leave for the Colts. There's one interesting angle. It has appeared and rumored to be that Jim Irsay is breaking out. Let's say he's breaking out the big guns. I'll tell you what he's trying to do to lure uh, Jim Harbaugh possibly back to town. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. As always, Ryan Hick and George Bremer here with you. If you like what you hear, especially now with this cold season basically over, George, you better be downloading, liking, subscribing. Because again, where else are you going to hear the debate and, and the game plan of 100 mini Jeff Saturdays versus just 11 regular sized Colts on Sunday Night Football in order to try to get them in? Hint, nowhere else. So make sure you're downloading and subscribing so you don't miss any episode of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. You don't miss any other George great idea that's going to help programming for the NFL. I know I'll tell you this right now, George. Roger Goodell, guaranteed new Blue Horseshoe subscriber. Oh, absolutely. And it look, there's still a long time left this season. Who knows what else I'm going to come up with before this year's out? 
And just think, we got December 26th, another primetime game, Colts Chargers. So, uh, you know, at this time, ESPN, if you want some ratings, this is, let's start listening here. If, if NBC doesn't want to do the cloning, maybe you should get ahead and, and start thinking about other ideas as well to kind of get the national audience interested when it comes to uh, Colts Chargers uh, in a month or so from now. That is that is for sure. All right, one thing going forward, at least not this season, but going forward that could make the Colts interesting and relevant yet again, George, is a good head coach, and that head coach being Jim Harbaugh. I don't know about yourself, but for me, like that's is it is he your number one choice right now? If you had a, a wish list, to see number one? Yeah, I can't, you know, I, I try to think of like anybody else with a resume to match his and that that realistically could could want this job and, and it's really hard to come up with another name. I mean, you can throw Sean Payton out there as many times as you want. I just don't see him coming to Indianapolis. I don't see where the allure is for him. Um, you know, and, and even some of these top coordinators, like we were talking about before, I'm not even sure Kellen Moore, you know, would would have a real drive to come here or Dan Quinn. Um, Harbaugh's, to me, when you take that mix of proven commodity and somebody that the fans are going to be excited about and somebody who actually might take the job, it, it's really hard for me to find another guy who scores higher in all three of those categories. Couldn't get more. Realistically, like, sure, Sean Payton's on everyone's wish list, but realistically, right, he's not coming. Jim Harbaugh is absolutely number one on my list as well. I'm with you. So we were kind of talking about the, the fear that maybe Michigan, when they smoked Ohio State for the second year in a row, now going, you know, back to the cultural playoff, whether they beat Purdue on Saturday or lose to Purdue, it's, it's frankly at this point irrelevant with how the season's gone. But you kind of get nervous. Is, are they having too much success for now? Maybe Jim Harbaugh's really turning Michigan into maybe the next Clemson, into the next Alabama, and would he right now leave kind of in the midst of this uprising? And I think two things happened uh, in, let's say, the last 24, 48 hours that maybe make you wonder, and maybe it's a good time for Jim Harbaugh to leave. Number one, there's a report. Now, it's just a report, nothing confirmed, but there's a report that Andrew Luck is coming back to town on Saturday. Now, again, Jim Harbaugh is coming to Indy on Saturday. Big 10 championship game, obviously, is going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium. Wolverines are in it, and there will be a meeting between Jim Mersey, Jim Harbaugh, and Andrew Luck. There's some crossover at Stanford between Luck and Harbaugh. They're there for two years. But if this report is true, George, I respect the hell out of Jim Mercer for breaking out the big guns, basically seemingly going all in on trying to get his guy now back to Indy. I mean, Luck's been at the big, at the big 10 championship game before, I think. I know he was at the national championship game yes. when it was in Indy. Last year. Uh, so it wouldn't yes. be totally out of the question for him to be here for a big game. I don't know if those two would even be related, you know, those, those two elements. Uh, it's it's hard to say, like you said, the report is is unconfirmed. Um, I don't know about the Andrew Luck angle on here, but it wouldn't be surprising to me if there's back channel communication. I mean, he's going to be in town, Jim Harbaugh. If Jim Irsay is interested, now's the time to do it. And one one of the things that we talked about uh, on on the midweek pod, and, and people can go back and check that if they want, is that in Harbaugh's case, it's probably if he is interested in this job, you know secrecy is going to be of utmost importance to him. He's not going to want a lot of leaks. He's not going to want a lot of, you know, word out there in the media because he, he flirted with that Vikings job a year ago. And it obviously can be used against him in recruiting. You know, if he doesn't end up, if he, if he is in the process here and he doesn't end up getting the job or taking the job, however it ends, um, he definitely doesn't want that getting out. Uh, nor would any college coach. That's not right. unique to him, but, I think this is a really unique circumstance where he's coming anyway. So there's plausible deniability just sitting there. You know, I mean, it's it's as easy as it can be. And if anybody asks him this week, 
you know, about it, he's got the easiest answer of all time. My focus is on beating Purdue, and that's it. He doesn't right. have to even address it. He doesn't have to deny anything. He doesn't have to even acknowledge it. You know, all of my focus is on beating Purdue and going to the, the college football playoff. I think if there's not some kind of communication between him and, and Jim Irsay, I'd be more surprised by that, honestly, than, than I would by it happening. And this is the one benefit for the Colts and Jim Irsay of firing Frank Wright because they're doing nothing wrong. There's no tampering. Right. It's college football, so you can Jim Irsay can do what he wants. Like I said, he's, Jim Harbaugh's coming to your house. And just hey, you'd be a rude guest, right? Or you'd be a rude host if you don't, you know, go greet your guests. Ah, oh, Jim, welcome. How you doing? You know, his name is, is is on the balcony in there. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't, you know, the least you can do is at least welcome the guy. Oh, go figure. I can't wait the thirty for thirty, George. Kind of, you know, talk about if Jim Harbaugh's this big. See here, we're gonna start dreaming, right? Because why the hell not? Jim Harbaugh comes back, wins the Super Bowl with the Colts, has a nice run uh, you know, of excellence. We can go back to Michigan-Ohio State from 2022. If Michigan loses that game, Jim Harbaugh is not in town. Maybe who the hell knows? Maybe he's more motivated to beat Ohio State doesn't want to come to the Colts. Who knows? But this could all go back to you know this big-time Michigan win over Ohio State on Saturday, paving the way for Jim Harbaugh, let's say, to come back to Indy. And again, if the Andrew Luck portion is true, doesn't hurt to have a former teammate, you know, kind of pushing, pushing the Colts to kind of, you know, bring them back here to uh, to relevancy. When Luck was there, when Peyton was there, it's it's an all-out push. That again, Jim are saying. Um, at least the good news is George will say this. It appears that Jim Irsay is interested in the right guy. He's not chasing yeah. ghosts, or he's not, you know, going for a splash name, or seriously even considering, let's say, Jeff Saturday. At least it sounds like early on we get the feel that. His mind's in the right place when it comes to getting the next head coach. Certainly more exciting than a report he's meeting with Dallas Clark. You know, I mean, <laughs> these are the kind of things that that you want to avoid. Um, I don't think there's going to be a real need for introductions here, though. I mean, it's not like these two parties aren't well aware of each other. I mean, you know, Harbaugh was here. He's in the Ring of Honor, as we mentioned. Um, he, he and Jim Mercer already have a relationship. So, you know, I think that's, a, that's part of this, too. It's not like they'd just be meeting for the first time and – they really need to get to know each other. I, I think Harbaugh right. has a pretty good idea of how this franchise is run. And, you know, they're, they're still equipment guys and, and secretaries and, and different people in that building that were here when he was here. You know, obviously players know, uh, coaches know, but there are definitely elements, you know, personnel inside that building who were here. Um, and that's another reason why I'd be shocked if there isn't at least some question of, hey, would you even be interested in this? somewhere along the line. There's just way too many ways, you know, too many connections between him and this this franchise. It would honestly be dereliction of duty if the question wasn't asked at some point this weekend. I can't remember off the top of my head, George, I'll be honest. Have you ever, has it been reported, at least on TV, have you ever seen, has, does Jim Mercer go to the game? That I don't know for a fact, but I, I will tell you this. I'll be watching the Big Ten Tower game with intent to see if they do show any at any point Jim Mercer in the owner street watching this game. Yeah, I can't remember him being. I mean, obviously he can. Um, I, I can't remember him being a, a big presence at, at any of these games before and usually probably out buying guitars or, you know, going <laughs> to, to some charity event here or there. He's, he's a busy guy. I mean, they're always they were That's doing true. something on Thursday with the, with the Kiwanis Club uh, highlighting Marion County football players. So, you know, they, they're kind of always got his hand in something. If he's at the game, I think that would be meaningful. Um, I, I really do. I mean, it, it's not 
it's not like he's just sitting around on his couch, you know, at this time. And, and oh, why not? Let's just go stop by the, the Big Ten game on Saturday. If he's there, I think it would be with purpose. I, I could not agree more. Absolutely. That's something to watch. If you're a, a Michigan or Purdue fan, even if you are or not a Purdue fan or Michigan fan, and the game gets ugly. Again, still reason to stick around the fourth quarter. Maybe just to see if, if Fox can pan around the stadium here and maybe we'll catch a glimpse of uh, Jim in the flesh for sure. Uh, the other thing, George, that I think does make it a little bit easier for Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan now, and that's news that we got on Thursday morning, that the cultural playoff is officially expanding in 2024. They're going to 12 teams now from the four they're currently at. So now if you're Jim Harbaugh, I think one of the things, because it is your alma mater, so you have an extra special connection to Michigan. I think it's not like I would say again, I don't think that his flirtation with the NFL last year was one and done. He says and claims he'll never go through this again. I don't believe it. So if you're Jim Harbaugh, I think one of the ways now that you can leave and make it still, you know, palatable and not, you know, contentious, if you will, is kind of having a good replacement plan in place. I think it's easier to pass off the Michigan program right now at the state they're in with beating Ohio State two times and having cultural playoff expansion coming. So even if you don't beat Ohio State one year, more likely than not, you'll still make the cultural playoff, let's say, I don't know, six out of every 10 times, something like in that range. I think it does make it easier to kind of leave now after this season, win or lose a national title, because it's going to, again, the path is going to be there for Michigan for constant and consistent, you know, competing for a championship where before he got there, as we know, that was rarely, if ever the case. Yeah. You know, and I think it would be hard for him to break that relationship with his alma mater at any time. I mean, that that's just, you know, like you're talking about, I right. think there, there's a real connection there and, and a deep one. Uh, and I think whenever he would choose to leave or, or the university would choose to move on from him, there would definitely be a lot of people in Ann Arbor who were not happy with that decision, no matter what. Uh, but I think if it would happen in, in this kind of scenario with the playoffs on the way and, and with him going to an organization in the Colts, where he knows the owner and, and probably would feel like he's going to get the longest leash he would probably anywhere in the NFL in terms of, you know, having an understanding of, of how this franchise operates and them having a prior understanding of him. I, I think that would be something that would, that would mitigate circumstances here, but also the fact that he's unquestionably leaving the program in a better spot than he found it. Uh, and I agree. I, I think the playoff plays into that because you would you would expect in a 12 team playoff basically the top two teams every year from the SEC and, and the Big Ten are in no matter what right uh, probably the top three I mean the top two would, would almost be slam dunks uh, it would have to be an incredibly down year for the Big Ten not to have that happen um in in how often is Michigan not going to be in that conversation not not very so yeah I think you would feel I don't know less miles I don't know who who would take over there I think you'd feel a lot better handing that off as, as Jim Harbaugh's situation than you would in, in a four-team playoff. Uh, and I also think the Colts are, are a team that he can legitimately talk about unique circumstances, you know, and, and why he's going. Uh, if, in that, if, in fact, that's the way this goes, and who knows. I mean, at this point, if this year has not taught you anything's possible, nothing will. That's so <laughs> we're not going to speak in absolutes here, obviously. But his connections to this franchise are unique. You know, I don't know how many head coaches around the league outside of just Saturday right now are in the ring and ring of honor in the stadium that, that they're coaching. 
You're right. That's a good point, too, because even last year when Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Vikings, look, they have a lot of talent on offense, right? But it did feel a little random, like, oh, I didn't know where, like, he doesn't really have a connection there. It's just, you know, you have some offense piece, but this is an opening that he was kind of looking at. Like, you're right. It's easier if you're Michigan and you're a Michigan fan. It's harder to have vitriol and be upset with Jim Harbaugh. Like I said, he's going back to a place where his name's in the ring of honor. He played, he has a connection with, you know, he was there when the owner was there. Like, it's almost like in a similar way when he went and he left the 49ers, went to Michigan. It's kind of the same thing where he had obviously a prior connection, kind of called him back home. And now you're kind of going back to like an NFL home, if you will, at the Colts. It's, it's, it's he's not leaving for just a random job with, I don't know, the Chargers or the Cardinals, where again, it, it's a good situation, but it's like you have no real ties there. He's got legitimate ties to Indy. And, and I wonder, you know, how, how deep his desire to get back in the NFL is. I Obviously, I've never been an NFL head coach. I don't even have a brother. I can't imagine what <laughs> losing the Super Bowl to your brother would mean, though. I, I can't imagine what kind of scar that could possibly leave. Yeah, Thanksgiving dinner uh, must be uh, pretty tough, huh? I mean, it's not just that your brother has a Super Bowl ring and you don't. He beat you for it. That's some all-time bragging rights right there. And with how – I know John is more, you know, low-key, we'll say, than Jim, but you got to imagine John just throwing barb after barb, subtle dig anytime he can about the Super Bowl, about the power outage, about winning the ring. You know, all oh, my hands a little – my left hand's a little heavy with this ring on it. Can you pass, you know, pass the potatoes here because your hand's a little bit more free. That's got to be eating that, Jim. Mm. You're right. The, the, the ultimate, ultimate competitor he is. And hey, look, if the Colts are the vehicle where he wants to kind of hop aboard and try to drive out John Harbaugh on the way to a Super Bowl, please, by all by all means, welcome. Welcome, Jim. Uh, it, it's, you know, there's so many angles on this, too. And I think that's that's what makes it so interesting. There's so many reasons you want to make a case for or against it. Uh, there, there are so many ways to, to get into that. And, and I think that's what's going to make it fascinating until the Colts hire a head coach. Because, again, I don't think we're going to hear a lot. I, I really don't. I think it's in, it's in Jim Harbaugh's best interest to keep it quiet if he's going to explore this. Uh, and then obviously it's in the Colts' best interest to keep it quiet because I think if it comes out on their end, uh, it might lean him towards maybe not taking the job. Like, well, you couldn't even you know keep it under wraps here. How can I trust other things moving on? So um, it, it'll be – look, this offseason is going to be really fascinating no matter what. But I think this little subplot uh, right there at the very top of probably the juiciest tidbit of them all. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And I think it helps. Hey, look, Purdue's in it. So you think a lot of Colts fans should be in the building on Saturday night. Give me a little extra cheer. Maybe, you know, get a Jim Harbaugh chant going. Come to Indy, stuff like that. It's going to be uh, a very fun and interesting, for sure, Big Ten title game with Jim Harbaugh coming back to town here uh, on Saturday. And like I said, Someone to keep an eye on pregame, uh, postgame, during the game. If, J- if Jim Mercer is in the building, are they going to get caught talking? It's, it's going to be this this weekend to be very interesting. Like I said, George, um, just from that a- angle too. If you any reports about you know Jim, the two Jims, let's say meeting with each other, that's that's a good sign for sure. Uh, but I think you are right. By the way, the less leaks. Uh, for both sides, the better. Because right, I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, the last thing you need is more questions and speculation about your future, whether you're going to stay or go. Um, Concerned that you still have a long way to go with this game and then the cultural playoff at the end of the month. It's a long time. It's a long time to kind of kind of keep that under wraps um, and having to answer questions if it does come out uh, that he's interested for sure. So it'll be very interested in seeing. But hopefully at least the news that we got on Thursday with the cultural playoff expanding, 
uh, maybe it does make it a little bit easier for Jim Harbaugh to walk away from Michigan, go back to the NFL. And if it is, maybe hopefully go back to the Colts. So when we do wrap up here in the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We will give you our game picks. Forget about winning the game. Can the Colts keep it close? We'll discuss when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. Cowboys Week, George, Sunday Night Football, Colts 4-7-1, going to Big D, taking on 8-3 and Dallas. Spread's a big one here. Kind of depends on where you know where you're looking. But right now, let's say the average one is ten and a half points. Cowboys are favored at. Traditionally, this has been a game where when you doubt the Colts, when you overlook them, they've been able to either either keep it close or maybe flat out win the game. Is this a situation? Or that's mostly a Frank Reich staple. Can Jeff Saturday, in your mind, kind of pull a Frank Reich and upset everyone, or is it going to kind of be as Vegas thinks? Yeah, I think. Honestly, to me, I think this is the intrigue from a from a game standpoint is sort of what we were talking about. I, I think it was the week before the New England game when we were talking about with Frank Reich, how hard is this team going to play for him? You know, have they given up? And I think we're we're at that point with Jeff Saturday now. That loss to Pittsburgh is devastating. Uh, it takes away whatever shred of hope you had. You know, of 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 an amazing run and getting into the playoffs. It was a tiny chance anyway, but that one I think just eliminated all of that. Uh, and now you're going to see how this team responds. And, and I, that outside of, you know, watching Bernard Raymond, like we said early on, uh, maybe some other individual players, that's the other intriguing part of this. Will they continue to play hard? Uh, because this is definitely a game where you could easily just roll over uh, and, and probably have cover for it. Because I don't think a lot of fans are going to be all that shocked if this thing gets out of hand. Um, I will say, you know, the two best teams they played this year, the Chiefs and the Eagles, arguably two of the better games played and went right down to the wire with with philadelphia uh could have won that game if, if a couple things go differently obviously upset the chiefs uh way back in week three which feels like 10 years ago but it was still this season uh you know and so is it like completely out of the question we've seen them do it before um like you said this is the kind of game where if you want to go on history you probably should pick the colts to win because nobody else will and, and that's when they come out and how their best performance is that being said matchup here is really, really bad. Uh, not just because of the point spread or because of Dallas's record because of Micah Parsons. Uh, when you see the way that he wrecks games and you see how much this offensive line has struggled this year and the offense in general has struggled this year, it's really hard to imagine them coming out and, in you know, finding a way to, to put enough points up uh, to keep up with this Dallas offense. And that's Colts defense had a bad game on Monday. A short week now to bounce back for a, a Dallas team that has a real versatile offense uh, that can come at you in a lot of different ways. I I, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I really don't. I don't know if it's going to be like 45 to nothing. I'll say Dallas wins 31 to 10. All right. I will actually go a little bit closer, 27-10. So really how much, you know, are we really talking here? But like I said, this Colts offense, I'm very interested to see this offensive line against this defensive line slash linebackers for Dallas. For sure, that's the only matchup worth watching. But it's hard to think when you're facing the league leader in sacks, 
that the uh, the Colts offensive line is going to hold up when they fail to really hold up really at any point this year, maybe outside of two games. So, you know, they played 12. You are what your record says you are. If 10 out of 12 games you really struggled and, and you know, couldn't, you know, pass block at a level that you're getting paid to pass, uh, pass block at, I don't think I'm going to turn around this game. No Kenny Moore as well as a big, you know, killer for the Colts um, against a Dallas team that's going to try to, like I said, they're very well balanced, but they're going to try to throw the ball as well. Um, so it's just injuries are, are an issue. The matchup is an issue. The offense is, is so anemic that you can't think that they're going to, again, break the mold of their consistent sloppy player of barely being able to even put two touchdowns in the same game together. 27-10. I think the defense does bounce back. Uh, from allowing Kenny Pickett to light them up. I think they do have pride. I think that's one where, unfortunately, came out on a national stage, but this defense is better than the what they played on Monday. I think they will bounce back because that's been the only consistent unit so far this season. So I think they will give Dallas fits. I think especially early in the first half, this could be, you know, 10-3, maybe 13-3 kind of game at halftime where it's a little bit closer than you think, but there's really no sort of doubt in the outcome. Um, but 27-10 is a, a game, you know, is a number I feel comfortable with where just the Colts offense not going to score. And Dallas, you think blowout and 27 points is still solid, but I think defense will do a good enough job here to at least make it respectable and make Dallas really earn it instead of having, you know, giving them some freebies whatsoever. But either way, we're talking about a three-score Colts loss on the road in primetime. Yep. Not yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a good game. Um, and I don't think anybody does. I don't think you're going to find a lot of people out there who, who are feeling a lot, much differently uh, outside of that Indianapolis locker room. That, that's the only place there might be. Uh, a different feeling and and that's honestly that's that's something to watch let's see how much of a different feeling there is let's see how much they bring that to the field on sunday uh because just saturday is still being evaluated right i mean we're talking about coordinators at dallas we're talking about jim harbaugh we're talking about i'm sure there'll be a lot more names we're talking about over the last month here of the season but just saturday is still being evaluated and i think how hard this team plays how willing they are to continue to play for him is going to be a big part of that valuation and also i can't forget george Cult to do for turnover. I didn't mention that before. Another reason why it's hard for them to win. Dallas is one of the best at taking the ball away. You got to imagine the Colts, one of the best at giving it away. They will uh, acquiesce for sure. They have one bad turnover. Maybe not a dropped ball at the goal line bad, but you got to think there's one awful pick or another strip sack here uh, by Micah Parsons (laughs) coming for sure. But it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. So Colts fans rest up. I mean, late night, actually could be an early night Sunday. Could go to bed by halftime if you really want to and not, uh, and not miss too much. But either way, win, lose, or draw, we've seen that already once this year, we will be back on Sunday night with a with a post-game reaction pod here. We'll break down most likely what went wrong for the Colts, maybe get an upset here and talk about some positivity uh, in the post-game pod for the first time in a long time, George, not anticipating it. Uh, but, hey, blue horseshoe after dark in a good way. I, I'm here. I'm signing up for it. Let's go. Let's go. Absolutely. We're going to get – hey, got – Two of them in the next four weeks. Uh, it'll sure. be like three in a five-week strand. So getting used to this after-dark thing, it, it could be a lot of fun. We will be night owls very, very soon, whether we want to be or not. That is for sure. So I appreciate you listening to the preview pod of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Make sure, again, you're liking, downloading, and subscribing wherever you do get your pods because we won't just talk about Colts football, a lot of draft, a lot of head coach speculation as well. So we get you covered. And really the things you care about, which, frankly, right now, unfortunately, are not the game's uh, down the stretch here of uh, the last five games of the season. But we will be back uh, again Sunday night post-game pod. Make sure to check it out, the Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you get your pods. Make sure to follow George on Twitter at GM Berwick. Follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey number three. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Sunday night right here, or I guess really Monday morning, right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.